Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. The greatest Christmas movie is... If your answer was Die Hard, we're no longer friends. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a question of personal preference. What's the greatest Christmas movie? But the, the company Rotten Tomatoes, well, well known for their movie reviews, compiled thousands of critic reviews and polled the general populace to determine the number one Christmas movie. And what they found? The number one movie is It's a Wonderful Life. If you're unfamiliar with this Christmas classic, it follows a young man, George, who's down on his luck and wishing that he hadn't been born. That all changes when an angel appears and shows him all the good that he's done and how life would be a worse place, how the world would be a worse place without a minute. I was recently watching the film and a scene came on that hadn't grabbed my attention until recently. It was George in his moment of despair. He tries to fumble together a prayer and he eventually says, God, if you're up there and you're listening, show me the way. And do you know how Hollywood answered his prayer? Having an angel come down who's able to travel through time, change reality, and use acts of power. This simple prayer and response, Hollywood response, capture a phenomenon found in our human nature. We look for God to prove his presence in signs of power, in revealing himself through things that grab our attention. But this is not how God operates. Instead, God actively covers his glory in order that he can draw us close to himself. And what he does is he shows us who he is and where he can be found. Our Old Testament lesson focused in on Moses asking God to see his glory. And Moses has seen glimpses of God's glory throughout his life. The miraculous seemed ordinary to him. He watched the Red Sea become parted. He witnessed the countless plagues in Egypt and many, many more. He even got to see God's glory, veiled glory, up close. Scripture records that God would come and speak with Moses face to face as a friend speaks to a friend. But in order to do this, God would have to veil himself, meaning cover or conceal his complete glory. But Moses, is he's done with this veil. He says, God, I want to see your glory. I want you to show it to me. And he creates a set of standards in which God has to come to him. But this is not how God operates. Instead, God says, I will give you a glimpse of my glory. And he puts him in the cleft of a rock, placing his hand over it. And as he walks by, as he is completely passed, he removes his hand so Moses can see his back, a glimpse of his glory. But what God is doing to draw Moses close to him, it's not this sign of power, 
It's in what he's saying to Moses. He proclaims to him his name. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Moses wanted God to blow the roof off the place, to show him his glory, and instead God pulls back the curtain and reveals who he is. It's not what Moses wanted, but it's far greater. He shows Moses the Lord is compassionate. Think of the love a mother has for her young child, how even though this child is dependent on her, she still doesn't pity the child, but loves it. This is how God deals with people. This is his essence. It's who he is. The Lord is gracious. This means he hands out undeserved favor and mercy to whoever he pleases. The Lord is slow to anger. The picture of this in Hebrew is he's long of nostril. To explain that a little more, if you think of a bull, it's an animal known to be full of rage. It has a short nose. God is the opposite. He's not boiling up with rage, holding it in, ready to release it on people, but rather he is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This means that he never breaks his promises. He is always true and abounding. He's overflowing with this love and grace, this love and faithfulness. And even the name that he uses, the Lord, it, it's a special name in Hebrew. It is used in many different places, but what it really boils down to is the Lord is faithful. Faithful to the law, meaning he does not leave the wicked unpunished, but faithful to the gospel. He forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And we hear who God is, and we kind of can understand where Moses is coming from. If this is who God is, a God of grace, mercy, compassion, slow to anger, I would want to see him with my own eyes. I would want to see his glory. I don't need Hollywood effects to prove that this is something that I desire. Moses wanted to see God's glory, and there's nothing wrong with this. The problem is he created a set of standards, his own terms for how God should come to him. What are your terms? Lord, show yourself to me in healing. Heal the people around me, bring them back to full health, and then I will know. Then I will see your glory. Lord, pour out, show yourself in blessings on your people. The world is so against us, it's so divided, it's looking to bring us down, give us special blessings so that people can see your glory. We make a wish list for God, telling him how we want him to operate. But what we're really doing is we are assigning the value of God to the things that we see. We're looking at the tangible blessings and connecting them to an intangible God. If the blessings are good, then God is good. But if the blessings aren't good, this is where we see 
this line of thought has a problem. When the family comes together at Christmas and they aren't friendly, but rather they're fighting, when you're missing loved ones and you're not feeling the joy of Christmas, but rather heartache, we have to look for a solution. And we kind of want to say with Moses, God, just show me your goodness. Just prove to me your presence. If I could just see it completely, unveil yourself, then everything around me would be fixed. But the problem with this desire is that if God fully unveiled himself, we would be pushed away, fearful, trembling, and isolated. Imagine if God had completely unveiled himself to Moses. Just said, all right, veil gone. Here is my glory. Moses, an unholy, sinful human being, would be standing in the presence of complete holiness. His limited human faculties could not take in the full glory of God, the brightness of him, the booming sound of his voice. This is the problem we would face as well. If God truly unveiled himself, we would be pushed away. How do we know this? Well, even glimpses of God's glory caused his people fear. For example, when Moses came down the mountain after speaking with God, his face was radiant. And the people could not handle being in his presence. They understood that this was a reflection from being in the presence of God. And Moses would have to put on a veil in order to get close to his people. This is how we need God to operate. We need him to veil himself. And that is exactly what we find at Christmas. The, the picture of Christmas in this Old Testament lesson is that God veiled himself coming down to Moses in a cloud and he comes down to you and me, veiling his glory in a manger. The beauty that we are celebrating is God coming down to us. He has come to you for you. And he's proving that his essence is as he says, that that name, the Lord, comes true by taking on human flesh, by proving he is a God of grace and mercy, by humbling himself, taking on this seemingly weak thing, human flesh. As the gospel lesson said, as John recorded, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is remarkable that God would veil himself in order to draw us close to him. And the Christmas story, it draws us to Bethlehem. We follow a virgin going to this small backwater town and nothing screams, happy birthday, Jesus, quite like cold Bethlehem night, the smell of manure filling the air, two parents trying to figure out how in all the world has a virgin given birth to the Son of God, but none of that matters because God has come to you for you. It may not be the way that we expect, but it's far better 
because he comes in a way that is tangible. He comes in a way that is personal. And he comes not to give us fear or cause us to run away, but rather to look in awe as we look at the greatest present ever given, placed in a feed trough. This is Christ the King. And we need a God who isn't afraid, who wasn't afraid of coming into the world in muck and filth. Because we needed a Savior who was willing to roll up their sleeves, to dive into the brokenness and mess of our world and draw us to himself. Because we could not approach God, but he could approach us through this child, through this Savior. And as we come up close and personal to Jesus, we get to see God's glory. John continues on. He says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God reveals his glory, though it is veiled, in meekness and lowliness. Because in this way, we are able to come He is able to draw us to himself and he is able to reveal his gracious plan for you. That he would send you a savior who could fulfill the will of his father. Who could live a perfect life unlike what we could do. And Jesus draws us to himself in order to give us his holiness. Through faith we receive the perfection of Christ and this is the only way that we can come into God's presence, is through this Savior. Glory to God in the highest. We have someone who has taken on flesh for us. But what does this look like to the rest of the world? Absolute foolishness. They look and say, you're worshiping a child. This little kid with diapers is going to change the world. This, this is Christ your King. Absolutely. He may not come in the way that we desired, but the way he comes shatters our standards and expectations because he comes in a way that we can handle. He comes in a way that is personal. This is the beauty of Christmas. We have a God who comes to us for us. And thank God this is how he's revealed himself. When he spoke with Moses and said that he is a God who is showing love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, it had to be through a Savior. And a famous Christian author summarizes Jesus coming in flesh this way. C.S. Lewis says, Jesus taking on flesh means that God descends to reascend. He comes down into time and space, down into humanity, down to the roots of what he has created, but he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. And Jesus coming, veiling his glory, it didn't just end at the manger. It doesn't end at Christmas, but God continues to come to us in sacraments. God veils his glory in the sacrament of baptism. Imagine how intimidating it would be if the full glory of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit stood around the baptismal font. 
we would be terrified. But instead, God conceals his glory and uses seemingly simple means, water and the word, to welcome a sinner into becoming a citizen of the Most High. God veils his glory in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We get to celebrate that here today at Living Savior. Imagine how intimidating it would be if you were coming out of the pew, up the aisle, and there Jesus stood in his full glory. We turn right back around, sit down on our pew. But instead, God veils his glory in something that seems so simple, but in it he is present. In bread and wine, in, with, and under the bread and the wine is Christ's body and blood. And through these means, he communicates to us forgiveness and the blessings that he pours out. And God veils himself in the voice of a pastor, in confession and absolution. Imagine coming into church, and when you sat down and were called to confess your sins, you were hearing the voice of God, the one who said, let there be light, and then there was. We would crawl right under the pew. But God conceals his full glory, uses the voice of a pastor to pronounce his love and forgiveness to you, so that you may know you are forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has come down to you, for you. This is the beauty we celebrate at Christmas. It may not have been the way that we expected, but it's far greater than our standards. And it allows us to be drawn in to God. God draws us to himself, shows us who he is, and where he can be found. The rest of the world may think this is absolute foolishness, but in this child, we find the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. The presence of God is not terrifying, but in this child, it is saving. Amen. <laughs>